Hi, I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. We are back in action here after the Thanksgiving break to look at the end of Mayor de Blasio's first term. And now that we know that he's been reelected, look ahead to some of the big pressing issues for not only these last few weeks of 2017, but really to dig into what 2018 is going to be dominated by. And Ben, some of the stories that are going to come up in the next few weeks are going to shape very much what the next four years look like. And these are the kind of stories that always come up during the period between an election and an inauguration or a re-inauguration in this case. Uh, and they really deal with like the mechanics of how the mayor is going to operate government and how government is going to operate with him over the next four years. And the first thing that comes to mind always is the cabinet and personnel decisions. Uh, in his post-election press conference, the first thing de Blasio said was, <laughs> we're not going to talk about personnel stuff. Yeah. He's already been forced to talk about the future of his uh, NYCHA chairwoman, uh, Shola Olatie, because of the lead paint um, debacle. Uh, but he hasn't said much else. Um, there have obviously been some departures already. Bill Bratton has gone from the police department. Emily Lloyd has stepped down from DEP. There have been a few others. Uh, it's a grueling job being a commissioner. Um, we understand it's a particularly grueling job sometimes working for Mayor de Blasio. So it's likely that some folks are going to take this juncture to leave and others will stay. I haven't heard anything about particular people. I don't know if, if you have. Yeah, there's been some talk and some rumors. And even um, there was an interesting moment at a press briefing that I was at not long after de Blasio made that declaration where... Um, there were questions about first deputy mayor Tony Shores leaving. There's a lot of discussion about him departing. Um, some of the things I've heard is that he's still trying to figure out what that next thing is, but that that might be happening once he figures that out, and that the budget director, Dean Foulihan, would be taking that spot as first deputy mayor. And then there are the other deputy mayor positions. I've heard some rumors about Richard Bury leaving. Uh, you know, I, there's nothing I want to give a lot of validity to at this mm -hmm. point, but... Um, you know, Deputy Mayor Alicia Glenn is obviously always a somewhat controversial figure because she's in charge of some of the major housing and other programs of the administration, but there's no indication I've seen that she's leaving. Uh, there has already been turnover in the other deputy mayor spot of Health and Human Services, so you wouldn't think that Dr. Palacio would be leaving that position. But in terms of commissioners, I think one of the biggest places to watch certainly is schools. Carmen Farina, you know, came in at already semi-retired and didn't really seem to want, you know, she wanted the job but didn't want the job. And so that might be a natural place for someone new that wouldn't be a scandal or anything. Um, and then there's a variety of other other spots that, that could shift. I think one of the interesting things, as you alluded to, is at NYCHA, you know, this is a pattern where de Blasio often strongly defends his commissioner, and then we still see some people leave after those issues, like uh, Commissioner Pont at, at correction. So mm -hmm. we'll see if if uh, Chair Olatoye does stick around. Right. Um, and one interesting thing about de Blasio and his style of mayoralty, and this has come up before, is when Bloomberg's commissioners left, you could anticipate significant changes in policy because those commissioners really were delegated to. Um, there was a lot of deference, especially in some of the areas. Joel Klein clearly put his stamp on 
education, obviously Ray Kelly on the police department. With de Blasio, the sense is that there's a lot more central control, a lot less delegation. So the question is, you know, how much it will matter if there is a change. Um, I suspect education is one area where it's a big enough empire that there would be a real difference if there were a change at the top. Carmen Farina is a, an older woman. She's, I think, in her early 70s, I believe. Um, that's a grueling job and, and not one where people typically stick around for, for eight years. So we'll see if there's a shift. Um, I'll just say quickly on that. I mean, she's seems you know, extremely energetic and into the job. It's a job she's wanted for a long time. So I wouldn't be shocked if she stuck around for at least another year or two. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think you make a great point about sort of de Blasio commissioners really fitting his ideological viewpoints and being there to largely help shape but execute, you know, his his agenda uh, so, so I think that's that uh, that'll be fascinating. Totally. And, and obviously, people who shape his agenda with or without his his permission, uh, the folks at the city council, and there's a fascinating race to replace the current speaker, Melissa Mark Vivrito, who is term limited out of office after one term as speaker, three on the council, um, and that is a crowded race, um, although rather mono gendered. Yeah, eight men seeking the position. Um, will be a very interesting shift after 12 years of having a woman as speaker, Chris Quinn for eight and Melissa Mark Vivarito for four. Um, you know, there's eight guys in the running. I moderated a forum with them uh, last week, which was very interesting. You know, we talked about a lot of sort of good government stuff, um, as you'd expect. And, you know, it was pretty interesting. They're all talking about trying to extend term limits. Um, they don't see any big problems at the Board of Elections. You know, it was, it was a very interesting uh, forum. But... You know, there's a few people seen as front runners: Mark Levine, Corey Johnson, Robert Carnegie. Maybe there's a path for a couple others: Donovan Richards, Richie Torres. I don't know. I'm not sure about about some of the others, but um, that's going to be hugely important to the mayor. Although I don't know how much difference there really is among these eight. I don't know that they'll be that different from Mark Viverito when it comes to sure personality yes very different maybe some priorities that are different but you know in terms of aligning with de Blasio's agenda I, I don't I know the, that it makes that big a difference the difference would be in the landscape right like you know unless Mark Viverito was running at a time when you know she was term limited but the, the mayor was not um, other folks in the council largely weren't term limits was not a big part of the story at least not a forcing factor in the story this year that is totally different now you know everyone who's running for speaker is themselves term limited in 2021 as is the case for almost all their uh, people and the, their, their colleagues in the council and the other office holders we've talked about I think that that probably would be a more important change than the change of whose name is on the speaker's plate I think you're right there, there's a lot of talk here about you know the council wants to be more independent right I mean there's nobody in city politics who hasn't seen Melissa Mark Viverito and Bill de Blasio as really, really tight, really aligned. I mean, you know, he helped make sure that she was a speaker. If it wasn't for his intervention, she probably wouldn't have been. And they're very aligned ideologically. They've had some differences. And of course, you know, these relationships do wear as time goes on because there's so much intensity and so much going on and priorities, etc. Um, so there's talk about, you know, a desire for the next speaker to be lead the council in a more independent direction. That ties in with de Blasio being a lame duck and, you know, his power being somewhat diminished. So we'll see, and we'll see what kind of influence he has over the process. I mean, he's trying to influence it, but I don't know that it's clear who his preferences are anyway. You know, he's been fairly close with Richards and Idanis Rodriguez. I don't think he'd have any problem with Mark Levine, you know. So... Um, 
We'll see. And then there's also the long game of, of who's doing what next and that the mm-hmm. next speaker may very well run for mayor after that. You know, there's all sorts of considerations coming in. And of course, you know, Joe Crowley's future in the House is obviously right. a big part of this. So lots of intrigue there. Um, do you think that the next speaker will, ha- you know, will it have that much impact on de Blasio's second term? I mean, it, I don't know. I think it, it could be interesting. You know, if that push for independence is real and the need to distinguish yourself, I think it's going to be, you know, I think to some degree de Blasio may chart that future by how successful he is and how much political capital he's able to maintain. You know, if he suffers bruising defeats, it might make him, you know, there'll be blood in the water. It might be easier to sort of make distance with him. If he is rolling, if he gets momentum, it becomes harder for someone perhaps to, to want to distinguish themselves. So I think a lot of it will depend on kind of how he plays his his hand. Um, but you mentioned Joe Crowley, and, and this really all does tie together de Blasio's fate with storylines playing out on the state and the national level because we have uh, budget processes and we have elections coming up in 2018 which could all be very very important to the city and especially to de blasio's uh, agenda yeah there's a lot of federal and state level stuff to watch here as we go into 2018 what whatever is happening in washington around tax reform and if there's ever a real infrastructure bill you know this type of stuff is going to be extremely important and federal budget cuts to housing programs and you name it so that stuff is certainly key to watch and then that will certainly affect the state budget and the city relies on a lot of state money and we also don't know what governor cuomo is going to do with his next executive budget proposal and how he might try to put the screws to de blasio in the city or use the city as somewhat of a place to offload some cut uh some yeah some cuts as he's he's eyeing a deficit at the state level and de blasio's agenda depends on on a couple key points whether it's 3k whether it's the mansion tax for senior housing getting more out of the state than we're getting now um so yeah that's not happening i mean the biggest thing is cuomo has to keep in mind and this ties in with another piece of this was which is the elections of 2018 mm-hmm. which are going to be huge you know cuomo has to keep in mind that he doesn't want to totally upset de blasio who could influence the 2018 mm-hmm. elections significantly including how tough cuomo you know cuomo's primary is um and he also doesn't want to upset that many people in new york as he's counting on New York City in the general election of 2018 to carry him as it, as it has in, in the past. So he's got those calculations to make, but he might be looking as he did not last year, but two years ago when he tried to offload a bunch of state costs to CUNY and Medicaid costs. So, you know, I would look for some stuff like that again, but he has to be very careful around that. Right. And also how he plays the effort to uh, take back the state Senate by, by Democrats, uh, questions about the future of the IDC, all places where Como has played a pretty shrewd game, but one that hasn't really satisfied people on the left or really satisfied them at all. Um, yeah. And is certainly part of the narrative that would feed a strong left-wing challenge to him. And let's remember in 2014, Zephyr Teachout did pose a threat, did do fairly well in the primary, and de Blasio helped diffuse that significantly by going to bat for Cuomo at the WFP convention, you know, one of the sort of elements of this Greek drama between the two that folks uh, folks forget. De Blasio obviously has his own political future to think about. Um, you and I have hesitated spending too much time on this because it could become a huge distraction, but the question of what kind of a role he fancies for himself, not just in the state, but, but nationally, uh, where frankly Governor Cuomo may also have future ambitions. Yeah, and if we're talking about de Blasio here, you know, he got into lots of trouble for his 
efforts in 2014. He, you know, came in emboldened as mayor that year, and he tried to help flip the state Senate to Democrats that year. That helped lead to one of the investigations into him and his team. Uh, he is used as a boogeyman around the state in these elections, in these swing districts. Um, so what kind of role is he going to play, his team? You know, he has promised to, you know, what's interesting about both de Blasio and Cuomo is they seem more focused on federal level stuff than the state Senate, both of them, mm -hmm. you know, and de Blasio maybe for reasons of being scared off and that he is this liberal boogeyman in a lot of these swing districts and Cuomo because he's kind of fine with the arrangement in the city, but he's interested in his national profile. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see how de Blasio approaches the state Senate elections uh, and, and Cuomo as well. Certainly Cuomo is already talking about flipping all these New York house seats um, which will be interesting. And de Blasio has promised to spend, quote unquote, ample time helping flip the House and the Senate. And he's going to Iowa next month to speak. Um, so that that'll all all be very uh, interesting. And, you know, I think that, you know, the issues you've talked about so far, Ben, are stuff that will be decided in the next couple of weeks when it comes to the speaker's race and maybe some of the cabinet changes. We'll get a very good sense, obviously, of the state and federal election landscape and budgetary uh, context in the next three to four months and then into November. But there are certain storylines that are going to extend through the next term, assuming de Blasio does not become UN Secretary General and, and leave midterm. Uh, and there are some sort of big issues that are apparent now. Others may, may present themselves. But, um, you know, just to kind of bat some around, Obviously, Rikers comes to mind, and the administration has made some initial steps toward finding alternate sites. Um, the homeless crisis and what to do about you know, the siting of new shelters, whether to create a carve an even bigger hole in the affordable housing plan for them, and, um, and the transit issue uh, are the ones that, to me, seem the, the kind of biggest ticket ones. Yeah, and before we discuss a few of these, you know, I'll add um, he's got to deal with the health and hospital situation. The city's public ho hospital system is in uh, really rough shape. And with federal, you know, changes to Obamacare and other things, you know, there, there might be uh, further problems at health and hospitals. And then, you know, the mayor... Well, we already mentioned NYCHA, you know, there's mm -hmm. there's that that's going to have to be continued. But then the mayor sort of curiously said the day after the election that education was going to be his top priority of term two. So we don't exactly know what that's going to look like other than a few big things. So, so we do have some uh, meat on the bone there. 3K, he wants to keep expanding. That's one of his biggest promises of the second term. You know, it's just so funny to me that we're you know, it's like a mirror image of when he came into office and it was like he has to execute on pre-K and now 3K is sort of the big second term promise. Um, and then, you know, he has this whole equity and excellence program that's already begun. And one of the big planks of that is getting all third graders on reading level, uh, you know, all students on reading level by third grade, which is when they start taking the state tests. And that's a pretty big, ambitious goal, and so he's, you know, sort of doubling down on that. So the education stuff will be very interesting. It ties back to what we discussed about the cabinet. Um, on any other issue, I mean, Rikers closure, is there something you're looking well, at, or what else? Generally, what, what's yeah. interesting about this list of issues is if, if we were having this conversation four years ago, you know, we would have talked about uh, public safety, um, and we would have talked about sort of housing writ large. And I feel like while there's obviously still potential for things to go wrong in either area, 
there's still a lot about the housing plan that people are debating and discussing, but we seem to have passed a point where there's some, some momentum on those issues. We sort of know uh, the play that he's going to make, um, and that is sort of rolling out, even with the expansion of the housing plan by 100,000 uh, units. Um, and some of these issues that have come up that we're talking about, certainly Rikers and transit, um, and, and even the hospitals ones are not ones that we would necessarily have predicted four years ago. This is stuff that's come up just, just during. And what that obviously means is that, you know, other big ticket issues are likely to drop on his plate. You know, is there another, God forbid, another kind of Sandy, some other security episode larger than the one that occurred tragically um, shortly before Election Day? You know, those kind of like drop out of the blue issues can always land on his plate, although these give him plenty on his plate. Yeah, and, you know, we didn't list this, but it's it's tied in with some of this other stuff, which is the neighborhood rezonings. You know, they need to up, I mean, you guys obviously cover those so well on a daily basis, but, you know, they're going to try to push the pace on those now that he's reelected and the council members are reelected and people are lame ducks. You know, they might try to push more of those rezonings through. I mean, they just did East Harlem. Um, or they're about to finalize East Harlem, but it's obviously moving through the council. So that's going to be huge to watch. And when you combine transit, homeless shelters, neighborhood rezonings, homelessness, you know, you combine a lot of these issues that are, and schools that are so central to sort of people's everyday lives, the shape of their neighborhood, um, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, as de Blasio continues on, how New York sort of feels about him. And is he paying too much attention outside the city in combination with a lot of this drama in the city? And he's a lame duck. I mean, I don't know. I feel like things could go kind of awry for him. Well, second, second terms term. are, are tough, right? Yeah. Giuliani's second term is very different from his first. Um, and the, the last terms for for Koch and for uh, for Bloomberg were obviously uh, much rockier than their earlier periods. We, of course, assume he's going to be a lame duck if the council speaker candidates push for third terms were to take take root and actually go to referendum, I suppose that could change. But yeah, I think for any mayor, it's difficult as your political capital dwindles. It, it, the fact that he is going to make a play to have a bigger role on the state and federal stage may change that. That'll be fascinating to watch. But there certainly are huge, huge issues um, facing him. And I think that... Uh, yeah, we're going to see very soon sort of what kind of momentum he's able to take. He says he has a mandate. We can debate that, whether that, what that means or not. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding come January, what he's able to, to get through, and especially what he's able to do. Will he finally solve Albany, which most mayors schedule <laughs> no, with? he won't. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and the, and the other thing to go back to also, you know, as we, as we wrap up here, you know, to go back to some of the beginning com of our conversation as well around the speaker's race is a lot of these things will also have, you know, very heavy negotiations with the city council and with the local council members and having to navigate those issues where if these council members are a little sick of him or trying to prove their independence or some of them are worried about running for borough president or public advocate, uh, that's going to create a whole another round of drama. Plus, you will have the current public advocate who's already showing Letitia James that she's got some tougher words for the mayor, uh, which I'm sort of shocked by, uh, planting the seeds for her mayoral run, Controller Stringer's already been doing that, and others and others, you know, it's going to be lots of intense politics here. So, Ben, it is just to wrap up, it is unlikely that you or I will be asked to join the administration <laughs> at the commissioner level, but uh, if, if the call comes uh, and you're given your choice, 
which department would you most like to head and which would you absolutely refuse to be commissioner of? <laughs> well, you know, because uh, I find this all so interesting, I will actually answer this seriously. Uh, you know, I, I used to be a teacher, so my the obvious answer for me would be education, but I would want nothing to do with running the DOE because that is looks like the hardest job, you know, one of the hardest jobs in the world. Um, so I would have to say something like parks or cultural affairs because, you know, it seems like it's almost all, you know, positive stuff and, and neighborhood programming. And maybe that's the easy answer out. Uh, but how about you? Uh, I am on record before saying that ACS is the one department I would absolutely not want to run okay. because it seems pretty impossible to to, to escape that. Uh, but DEP, obviously, the chance to talk about sewage all day, okay. I'm there. So <laughs> Good for hope you. they have my number.